From Point Conception to the Mexican border, this is the SoCal Bite. I'm Nathan Callahan. On today's menu, Kirk, Harold, and Maud on memorabilia and memory. Even though I'm a big baseball fan, I'm also an anti-memorabilist. Storing material prompts for memories is neither my ambition nor my religion. However, the recent news that baseball legend Kirk Gibson was auctioning off his treasured Dodger World Series keepsakes grabbed me in the way Ruth Gordon's character in Harold and Maude grabbed me. Kirk Gibson, as I'm sure you know, is most remembered for his epic limp-off home run against the mustachioed and supposedly unhittable closer Dennis Eckersley of the Oakland A's in the 1988 World Series. If you haven't seen the video clip of this greatest moment in Los Angeles sports history, the one with the bat and jersey that Gibson will sell online, you best not consider yourself a Southern Californian. Although the bat is a Blackworth, Tennessee thumper, Dodger historian Mark Langhill calls it King Arthur's sword. I think Mr. Langhill is not referring to the sword in the stone, but rather Excalibur, the one given Arthur by the Lady of the Lake, a sword with magical powers that bespeaks the rightful sovereignty of Great Britain. Such is the overheated PR copy the Gibson thumper generates. National sovereignty aside, the bat is a tangible investment memento not only because it was the wood that launched the first walk-off homer made by a team trailing in a World Series game, but because it was also Gibson's only at-bat of the entire series. The King Arthur value-added analogy would have been stripped away were it not for the fact that the Dodgers, as a Gibsonless team after the Arthurian feat, rode that moment all the way to an ecstatic World Series victory celebration. When asked why he was parting with the thumper and the jersey he wore that at bat, Gibson said, That's just the way I choose to do it. According to Gibson, his cherished memories are in his possession, so why bother holding on to the physical memorabilia? Gibson will use a good chunk of the auction money for a foundation he formed to help provide scholarship to his alma mater, Michigan State. I say, good for him. But Gibson's reasoning wasn't good enough for L.A. sports journalists. They whined and bickered and complained that Gibson was somehow devaluing the Dodgers stadium experience by shunning the team and belittling the franchise, if that's possible during the McCourt era. Some sports ninnies were howling as if Kirk had disemboweled Tommy Lasorda. Holding something of value in their memory-only mode didn't make sense to them. They needed more than a cash in their tiny brains. They needed the physical evidence, the tablets, The Holy Grail. Which brings me back to Ruth Gordon and Harold and Maude. Gordon was a great actress and writer. She bagged an Academy Award for her performance in Rosemary's Baby. She collaborated with her husband, Garson Kanan, on the screenplays for the Hepburn Tracy films, Adam's Rib and Pat and Mike. But for me, what made Gordon a legend was her turn as the eccentric and philosophical spinster in Harold and Maud. In the film's sweetest moment, Harold, a young suicidal brat played by Bud Court, has been taken by Maud's charm. 
He is swooning over her, a woman three times his age. She has taught him to love life, and in thanks, Harold offers her his heart in the form of a stamped coin from a seaside amusement park they had both enjoyed. The coin is engraved, Harold loves Maud. And Maud loves Harold, Maud replies. This is the nicest gift I've received in years. At which point Maud, Ruth Gordon, takes aim and chucks the coin into the bay. Kerpluff. It sinks in the water. Harold gasps, but Maud explains. Now I'll always know where it is, she says. I think that's the way Kirk Gibson feels. It is his memory that is nearest to him. The bat and jersey are superfluous. That's a value some sports journalists don't get. To them, the championship is the trophy. The cherry on top in this saga of memories is the home run baseball that Gibson hit that World Series day in 1988. It landed in the right field pavilion at Dodger Stadium. No one ever found it. The closest thing Gibson has to the ball is a photo of a woman's bruised leg. The ball hit her like in the inner thigh, kind of high on her skirt, so to say. She was all black and blue, Gibson recalls. But I've never, ever seen the ball. That the ball that marked the city's most esteemed sports moment has never been found makes it legend and certainly more valuable to the baseball world and the citizens of Los Angeles than a hunk of memorabilia sitting in our trophy case. For more SoCal Byte audio essays, visit SoCalByte.com. That's S-O-C-A-L-B-Y-T-E dot com.